What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Bag. First look for the Arnold Palmer Invitational. My name is Drew Matthews, also known as Red Kachik. I'm the main contributor here at FantasyGolfBag.com. Uh, we'll be previewing, obviously, Bay Hill, talking a little bit about the golf course. We'll be using some of our data um, to kind of peg some early leans as of Monday night. It's uh, 8.30, 8.40 right now. Um, and pretty much try to give you as much information as I can give up in terms of like helping with the data. Um, some people had questions on a couple of different columns and what they mean. And then uh, obviously how to apply that to a new tournament. Um, last week, obviously very unique with a, with a tournament where you would expect, you know, 10 under par being a winning score. Um, this week will be similar in terms of like the difficulty, but it's kind of done a different way. It's not going to be as short. It is difficult to hit greens. The green regulation rate should be a lot higher. Um, driving distance actually will be shorter than last week, I believe. And uh, you'll see a nice trend with guys over the years that have won here. Um, in my opinion, being very high ball hitters, not necessarily like something you can glean from the data. Um, but if you look back through like McElroy, Bryson, Terrell Hatton, uh, even Martin Laird, guys that, you know, are not necessarily um, elite players, they actually have pretty high ball flights in general. So take that for what it's worth, but something we were talking about in chat. Um, let me make sure, <coughs> excuse me, still <coughs> getting better off of last week, getting there. Um, it's brutal down here in Florida for some reason. Um, so let's go ahead and dive into it. Let's see, let's see what we can start with. So, um, probably the easiest way, the, the best way to go about this every single week, um, in terms of the first look, we can go ahead and get the sheets open so that we're not, um, fumbling for that later. So the two, the two main sheets, super procs and extended approach. And then the showdown EAP is posted after every round, um, for showdowns for the next day. And they've been huge. I mean, it was a very valuable for every round. And then obviously, honestly, it's honestly for every round. And then the final round is more unique in terms of the placement points. And like, you kind of cut out half the field anyways, Unless it's a super low scoring event and, you know, it's a weak field and maybe you just want to take punts on guys that are seven, eight, ten shots back or something. But um, showdown data, it'll be uploaded on um, Thursday night for this uh, Friday second round. So let's go ahead and open extended approach. All you have to do is click either of the buttons, extended approach or super procs. It'll open um, the next window, which you can interact with in this in this tab, you can do whatever you want, just like an Excel sheet, or what I would prefer to do is download it. And we'll get that sheet rolling right here. Um, this is again, it's called EAP. It stands for extended approach, something that Skyhook came up with um, a while back. It's, it's basically like, I don't know if he has a different terminology for, but the way I look at it, it's, it's expanding on approach numbers. Um, so I'm not sure why he chose extended, to be honest. Um, I'm sure he has a better story than I do. But yeah, it's called extended approach. EAP is the acronym. And that's what it will look like right here. And then the other one is new this year called SuperProx. And essentially what SuperProx does is it takes the EAP data, the same exact data you can use for your own model here. Um, and it basically layers upon some three-year course history upon the data. So it makes it a little bit more apples to apples. It's still, you kind of want to use them together, not just one versus the other. Um, I know for new users, sometimes it's overwhelming with as much data as we provide, but it's certainly, it's very valuable from the super perspective. 
and again, the extended approach. And a lot of this is approach centric, which is what we're essentially trying to target every single week. We include our spectrum data. You can see that in the first columns every week. Again, if you want to read the article, why strokes gained has a lot of potential difficulties when you're trying to handicap golfers and spectrum um, accomplishes basically the cleansing of the data for DFS and betting purposes versus just ten, saying like, you know, this guy finished at 10 under par because he lost two strokes around the green, but he gained two strokes on off the tee and three strokes on approach, whatever. It's more descriptive than predictive. So we try to aim to create um, the spectrum data to provide you better data for you to use for your lineups or betting matchups are honestly are very beneficial too. So let me close out of my, um other excel sheets and then what we will do is we will go ahead and open up data golf data golf has a really nice way of analyzing the actual golf course getting a high level look at it and then like i said the eap will show a lot of the approach shot distributions it'll be a little bit more player um specific so we'll take a look at that um all right, so let's go ahead and dive in. We'll talk about the golf course. Again, this is first look, so this is the first time I'm pulling it up for the week. I, I pulled it up earlier, but I didn't really dive into it. And then obviously with the EAP data, I just get it posted. And then I use this show to uh, to basically talk through my mindset of applying what we know about the golf course to how we use the EAP data to then apply it to the golfers. So let's go ahead and get going. All right, first things off. Always, um, course yard, 7,300 yards, so a little bit longer than average. It says 125 yards over average, so a decent bit. What's that, like uh, 18 yards per hole? Something like that? No. 10 yards. Uh, eight yards. Eight yards per hole. There you go. Eight yards per hole per <laughs> on average for the course yards. Math. Hashtag math. Um, driving distance. Greener, green, uh, driving accuracy, greener regulation rate is over here on the far right. So those are the main points that I will look at. Average fairway width, I don't really care about. Honestly, when I look at driving distance and driving accuracy, the fairway width is probably, it's all complementary in a certain sense. I'll try to leave the mouse alone so it's not jumping around. Uh, let me do this. There you go. Um, like I said, so 7,300 yards. Driving distance of 280, you would think for a golf course, a golf course that's 7,300 yards, driving distance would be closer to, you know, 290, 295, 300 yards, just because that's, I mean, it's still pretty long. Um, not even going to jump the gun and talk about the approach shot distributions. You can see they're, they're all over 200 yards, 175 to 200. So we'll talk about that in a second. And obviously that's, that's identified in the EAP data. Um, driving accuracy and green regulation rate. So 62% driving accuracy um, is very surprising, to be honest. 62%, when I think of 62%, I think of a driving um, driving distance being a little bit higher and there's less premium on hitting fairways. Um, a comp to that would be like, let's say... Farmers insurance. I, I assume farmers insurance is close to the 62%, 65%, and driving distance is probably like 15 yards further. The the idea there is they have to hit drivers. There's a premium on hitting the fairways, but there's actually there, it's just so long they have to hit drivers, and there's going to be a loss of accuracy. Um, the other idea there is greener regulation. So we see a 60% greener regulation rate, which is in line with driving accuracy. So honestly, from T to green, it's not going to be an emphasis on distance. We'll talk about this graphic here in just a second 
off the tee distance doesn't matter as much in terms of this golf course. It doesn't necessarily mean we don't care about that for players and how they have come into this week because off the tee from the last, we'll say two months, um, doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, that means they're going to be good or bad this week. It's That's not how it works. So 62% driving accuracy, that just tells me that the, the, the fairways are going to be hard to hit. 281 means they're trying to hit more fairways. So I think driving accuracy is actually a, a decent number to look at. And um, green regulation at 60%. So again, the greens are going to be tough to hit. It's right in line with the driving accuracy. So I would, I would view that almost on a one-to-one. It's not quite the same with the par threes, but in terms of accuracy and greens and regulation, just think of it as a one-to-one. If they're going to miss the fairway, they're probably going to miss the green. If they're going to hit the fairway, they have a pretty good chance of hitting the green. So you can draw back from green and regulation rate, which we have weighted green and regulation in the sheets um, into weighted driving accuracy. And honestly, driving distance, I don't, I don't care about off the tee still poses some benefit just because off the tee incorporates the distance left to the hole as well as accuracy hitting it in the fairway versus the rough. So there's still some benefit there, but for now, let's talk about green regulation, um, driving accuracy, which we do have a, a new stat from two weeks ago, which is driving accuracy plus weighted driving accuracy plus, and then the course yardage, which we talked about, but let's talk about these approach shot distributions. So most of these part threes are all going to be in this 200 to 225 bucket. So that's four right off the bat. So you, you see a really high percentage of these approach shots over 200, over 200 yards. That's, that's true. Um, but it's still a lot of the part threes. It doesn't make them easier necessarily, but consider that a lot of the approaches are still going to be from 125 to we'll say 175. Um, I could say 200 if I want to be a little bit more generous, but there's still going to be plenty of short and mid irons into this golf course. Um, the par threes are just, are just very long and they just all play at least 200 yards. I'm trying to think back. I mean, there, there might be a couple that um, if they move the tee up, obviously they will be inside of 200, but generally speaking, they're going to be ballparking at 200 close to 210, 215. So um we can talk about that. And again, the EAP data doesn't incorporate par fives just because it's really hard for me to normalize par five numbers, um, the numbers that we're looking at in an extended approach, because the there's some guys that are going to go for it from 250, which you can see here. They have approach shots, which is fine. I mean, this is accurate for the golf course. They're showing approaches over 250. But if the guy had 260 and he can't reach it or there's enough trouble and he just doesn't feel like it and he lays up the 125, that's the approach shot I want to look at for that player on the golf course. Cause he's going to have the 125 in extra time versus whoever this was. Uh, Brooks, D, uh, <laughs> Brooks Kepka had 270 and went for it. Um, he's going to have one less shot from 125. So it's then difficult to now incorporate around the green because Brooks is chipping up and down for birdie versus whoever has a wedge in. So just long story short, we just focus on par fours. Par fives is a different beast in itself. And we try to incorporate that um, a different way. Par threes are included, though. So uh, we can look at the scoring over the last couple of years. And I have that pulled up on my other computer, which I don't have, which is great. Um, but you can see last year, DeChambeau won at minus 11. Pretty good across the board. Um, minus five. Yeah, minus five. Minus one. Minus four. And minus one. So it looks like the low score was maybe. Uh, 
Jazz shot seven in round two, and Lee Westwood. Oh, I'm sorry, Keegan Bradley shot minus eight in round three. Lee Westwood shot minus seven. Doug Gim shot minus seven. Terrell Hatton, a prior winner, shot minus six. So a lot of good low scores that can be had, and still the winning score was minus eleven. So that's that's really interesting. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about how we can apply kind of what we know about the golf course to to our data. So I'll pull this up. Um, we'll start with super super proc so I can just explain this a little bit better. And if you have any questions, just drop them in the chat. If you're in the Twitter chat, I'm not following along, so I apologize. I'm following the Twitch chat and the YouTube chat. Um, I might need to figure out a way so I can follow the, the Twitter chat better. It doesn't it doesn't allow me to do that. So all right. So to make this easier, I'm going to clear out the guys without a salary. I don't, I don't know. I know Bryson WD'd. I assume these guys aren't in the field right now. They didn't have a DK price, but they were listed in the field as of yesterday. So it just made it easier for the sheet. So like I said, when you look at the golf course, we can see a lot of these approaches. Let me try to make it a little bit bigger for you. In this 200 to 225 bucket, I mean, everybody is right around 25%. Um especially the high price guys, 22, 23, 25. So all the way down the list, I'm sure you'll see some guys that are shorter. There you go. Kevin Streelman. Um, he has a few more shots over 200 yards, 200 to 225. Andrew Putnam is the same way. Ches Reeve makes sense, right? 30% there. These are actually, these are actually par four shots, believe it or not, 225 to 250. So there's, there's one shot around that's definitely going to be, creeping up there. So it's interesting. You can see a nice drop off from 200 to 200 to 225. 175 to 200 is kind of non-existent. Um, Will Zalator has had a few extra in this bucket, but most of these guys actually have 150 to 175 or they have 200 to 225. And again, the part threes are mostly in this bucket, um, but that's what this is aiming to do. So basically if you scroll over here to the right, we can see two rankings and then a sample size rating. So what this shows us here is overall ranking. This is weighted by the number of approach shots the player will have from each of those different ranges per round and how well they do in the last five or 10 tournaments. And we can kind of see a nice percentile ranking of like Scotty Scheffler's doing really well. Paul Casey's doing really well, but his sample size is a little bit small. So it's just a warning more so than to not play him. Uh, Scotty Scheffler is really high. You can see his weighted procs based on these buckets is 29.9 feet, which is probably like the lowest in the field, lowest in the top half of the field for sure. Um, and a really nice sample size. So like right off the bat, I would be looking at Scotty Scheffler at 10.6. Very expensive in terms of like who you can get right above him. But again, you're, you kind of, you kind of got to go th throw price out the window a little bit in certain aspects and GPPs. There's, Let's just let's just throw out a number. Say Scotty Scheffler's ten thousand six hundred. You know that's obviously going to affect his ownership a bit. If he was priced at ninety six hundred, um, is he? I mean, theoretically, he's still the same good play. If you like him at ninety six hundred, ten six, it shouldn't be that big of a discrepancy. This isn't basketball where we know that someone's going to get within like a four point range on their uh, on their points for the night. It's also a little bit more artistic in time in terms of our approach. So. That that's pretty much covers the the buckets. Again, there's there's guys that'll have a few wedges in here, um, a 
few from 100 to 125. I mean, there's a couple holes that are that are shorter, and guys will have a wedge wedges in. It's like number 10, um, I think six, not 16, 15. Um, number two's two's actually not two, three's getting a little bit long. I want to say five. I think five they can get it down there and have like 125 in. So. Um, there's definitely going to be a mix of wedges. So it's kind of funny when you talk about a golf course being long and you see a lot of long shots, it's still a good mix. So it's not like these guys are just getting 200 yards in all day. So it's important to kind of weigh in other ranges. And that's, that's the goal of the EAP data. We also include the spectrum, which I, which I talked about. You can compare this to strokes gain and see the difference between different players. Um, so this is spectrum off the tee, spectrum approach, spectrum around the green and spectrum putting. Laser rounds is the number of rounds for this certain sample size. This is the last five tournaments, 10 tournaments. You'll see a larger sample. I'll make this a little bit bigger. Um, It's a larger sample, but it's also goes further back. So the idea there is I kind of want to, besides the top guys, there's very few players on the PGA tour that are going to like maintain a certain amount of form over multiple months. Um, They usually will, Peak, peak is probably the wrong word, but they will hit a high point. Like, a, you know, they're playing really well for a couple weeks stretch and maybe it lasts like two months and they're just playing at a high level top tens and stuff. Um, very rarely, let's just say like the 10 T for me right now, 10 T incorporates a lot of fall swing events. And it's just, that's so far back for us to kind of, I mean, think about it. I mean, these guys are <laughs> different at a different skill level for sure. But I mean, I, it's hard for me to even think about what I was doing in last October, but think about like how you were playing golf, um, you know, two months ago and versus how you're playing the last time you played this weekend or next weekend. And it's, it's not going to be as consistent as you would think it is. Um, even though the sample size is bigger, which makes you think it's more stable. It's not. So I like to use a mix. Basically I use five T to find guys that are just playing well at the time. And then 10T is kind of used for values to make sure like, hey, I'm not looking at some guy. We'll just pick on Sean O'Hare for a second. That's super fluky. And, you know, he had one good tournament and everything looks good. I want to play him. But, oh, the 10T looks like he really hasn't played well until that one event. Maybe I should dig a little bit deeper. So that's what that does. Um, Weighted driving accuracy, weighted green regulation. That's all in here. I'm going to use it on the other sheet. Um, but like I said, super prox is a really good way. So we'll go through this. The easiest way for you to kind of eyeball this is honestly for the, for the podcast listeners, I'll, I'll go through these guys in just a second. Um, but like above average for overall rank super prox, you would think is one-to-one, but it's, it's a little bit different on the way it's calculated. So we'll do a below average and then sample size. I care about, this is going to kick Paul Casey out. So this isn't, you know, don't just like run this blindly. Um, but let's just use above average for sample size and you get a nice bucket. You got Scheffler at 10, six Hideki Matsuyama at 10, three Sung JM, Mark Leishman, Max Homa, Taylor Gooch, Russell Henley, Jason Kokrak, Christian Bezadenhut, Seamus Power, Cameron Young. And again, it's a strong field. So there's going to be a lot of good sounding names. Um, but you can go down the list and see guys that really pop on this type of golf course and how they fit their game to this golf course. So that's over the 10 T. So I actually like the 5T better. So let's go check and see if there's anybody that overlaps or maybe gets kicked out. So above average, below average, and then sample size above average. And again, Paul Casey gets kicked, and I do like Paul Casey, but 
So a little bit longer list. You get John Rahm, Scheffler, Hideki, Sungjae. Billy Horschel shows up a little bit here. Uh, Russell Henley, Keith Mitchell, Kerry Woodland off of last week. If you followed our showdown data, he was he was up on the top of the charts every single day. Um, Zayn who's back, Luke Liss, Chris Kirk, Cameron Young, Keegan Bradley. So you can go find this and kind of sift through it. Let's go jump into the EAP sheet and let's talk through running a model for their extended approach. Um, again, I'm going to stick to 5T for now. It's still enough rounds. You can see some of these guys have eight rounds, 14 rounds. Honestly, that's enough for me to, to get an idea. A little bit too big. All right. So it's built with a, a default model. If you scroll over to the right, and I'll talk through the columns again, but we get spectrum off the tee, spectrum approach, putting. We get different proximity buckets we can weigh, green regulation, driving accuracy, um, positive strokes gained approaches, uh, the number of strokes gained, gain, number of strokes gained, gained, number of strokes gained, lost. Um, so we can weigh those any way we want. So let's just kind of talk through it really quick on how we would want to model this for this week's event. So we know the green and regulation is, is pretty low, 60%. So like that would be something right off the bat, I would want to put at a high rate. Approach helps. Um, obviously, you never want to use approach without off the tee. It just, it, mathematically, it doesn't make any sense. Um, someone can be gaining on approach. That doesn't mean anything. Literally means nothing at all without using some other metric. So don't ever use approach by itself. Um, so way to green regulation. Let's just, we'll try to make this um, as balanced as possible. Um, 15% weighted green regulation. Let's just leave the driving accuracy for now. Um, number of approaches. That's just a sample size thing. 5% is fine. Uh, putting isn't a bad thing to include this week. We'll, we'll drop that to 5%. Um, we'll up the spectrum approach to 20%. So we're a little bit over positive approaches. I'm going to drop to 10%. And then let's use for the proximity buckets. Actually, let's throw in way to birdie or better. It's a pretty strong field. So let's just throw in 10% way to birdie or better. Give a little mix there. Um, and then instead of weighted prox, instead of 12 feet, these guys aren't going to be able to like really stick it. So we'll do zero there. And then... Uh, weighted green. All right. Yeah. Let's drop off the T to 10 approach to 15. So that gives us 10 extra points to move around. Um, I'm going to mix it. So I'm going to do 5% to 12 feet, 5% to 24 feet. You could, you can, uh, I mean, honestly, you can just go back and rerun anything you want. But for me, the idea I'm thinking of here, I don't see them hitting a lot of shots inside of six feet. Um, we have another sheet that holds the course history stuff and it, and it shows like how many shots are actually inside of like 12 feet, 18 feet, et cetera. There's not a lot of, not a lot, not a lot of shots because of the distances being hit inside of 12 feet. So I'm going to do a little bit there. Um, 18 feet seems like a really good number for guys coming into this week. And then 24 feet is, it's kind of complimentary to green regulation. So let's leave it at that for now. So that gives us hundred percent. So now we can go to our custom ranking um, 
we can sort largest to smallest. I'll take out the guys that don't have a price or not. They don't have any recent results. Terrell Hatton's in that just for full disclosure. Oh, there you go. No surprise. John Rahm, number one, 11, four. Scotty Shuffler, number three. And we've talked about this in our Discord already. Um, Sean O'Hare is popping in our EAP data for this week. And, and Sean O'Hare has actually had a good run. If I can pull it up over here. Um, I think he has two top tens at Bay Hill in the last 10 years. I know it's super far back to consider. Let me pull it up to make sure I'm not um, making something up. So, yeah, so 2018, um, Sean O'Hare finished T7. And then also in 2014, he finished 10th. So, technically, two top 10s. Um, interesting that he shows up here because he really hasn't really hasn't done much. Hasn't been playing a lot. He played in the fall swing, a couple of events. Not bad. He made two out of three cuts. And then... Actually, in the fall swing, technically, he made two out of two cuts. And then February, he played Pebble and finished 16th. So he's actually playing better. I'm not sure why he hasn't been playing more. Um, so maybe table Sean O'Hare for now. And you can actually see uh, his green regulation rate, 13% above the field. His driving accuracy, 11% above the field. Bird your betters above the field is in terms of weighted, which is important. So... Sean O'Hare might actually be better than I think, and he's sixty-two hundred dollars. I don't, I don't anticipate him winning, but you know, a top twenty from a sixty-two hundred dollars guy is pretty solid, and it's a small field, so the cut should be a little bit easier. Um, let's do to avoid Sean O'Hare talk. Let's up this to eight rounds or more. There you go. So this list consists of John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Billy Horschel, Max Homa, Adam Svensson. Um, his putting numbers, his spectrum putting numbers concern me a bit. Sebastian Munoz, Luke List, um, Cameron Young, honestly, is probably a better fit here than last week. Tom Hoagie heard us, um, was that Riviera, I think? Siwoo Kim, you know, Zala Torres is going to get hyped up, and I, I'm really, I don't want to say I'm hesitant, but I feel like he's getting almost overhyped based off of some good-looking stats in a couple events, and that's it. Like last year, he was super solid, and he was always 8,800. And it made a lot of sense to kind of play a guy that's beating down top 10s, top 15s at the price. Um, it's getting a little bit different. And plus, he wasn't really that high-owned. So you can go across the board here and look at all the different stats. The things that I like to look for – Positive approaches is really a consistent thing. Um, some of these actually make a lot of sense if you if you think about it. So like Billy Horschel. Billy Horschel is not known for his irons. He's not known for his ball striking in, in general terms. And you can see he only gains on 52% of his approaches. Um, I mean, these the elite guys, Zal Torres is tip-top at 64%. Adam Scott, 60%. So like anything above 54 55% is really good. But still – at the low end of that, of the elite guys, um, Billy Horschel there at 51%, Cameron Young at 50%. Those are always guys that I would use as, or those are type of stats that I would use as like a tiebreaker. Um, I won't dive into all the bigger 
discrepancies of like, you know, gaining more than 0.8 on a shot. Um, you can hop in our discord and we can discuss that further, but essentially the, the idea of any of our sheets is to avoid a lot of the noisy stats with strokes gained, uh, which really, again, it's, it's, it's not giving you a good player to player comparison. It's giving you a player to a PGA tour average comparison, which isn't what we're doing on a data on a week to week basis in DFS. We're making comparisons based on players. So, you know, just because Billy Horschel is beating the PGA tour average in approach, doesn't mean he's a better play because Max Home is beating the PGA Tour average less because there's usually other categories like off the tee here um, that makes up for it. And that doesn't always incorporate into just one metric. So you just have to be careful. Um, the things I'd like to do again, and for the podcast people, I apologize. I haven't listed out people by salary. So it's a little bit more sheet centric. May not just, I mean, just might not post this one this week. Um, I might just do it as a video. So weighted green regulation rate. If I do above average here, you'll start to trim down your pool, obviously in half. So this gives you all the guys that aren't losing hitting greens and regulation. So that's a good step one. Um, weighted driving accuracy. I do think had some value this week. If you look at the guys like Adam Scott, like I'm curious if I go back through his rounds, um, at Riviera, what did he play the next week or the week before? Let's see. What's up, Josh? Um, yeah, Svensson, Svensson's struggling a little bit there. Nino's too. Adam Scott, Adam Scott. I have it up over here. Just do this. Yeah, so so this would help. So like based off of our numbers, his driving accuracy has not been good. You can see it was very deflated, I would say, in terms of how bad he was at the waste management. He still finished T38. He lost off the T. Um, distance really wasn't a concern. I mean, average for the distance is fine. But losing off the T is all because of accuracy. And then he lost a little bit back at the Genesis, which is kind of, it looks like that's kind of his staple. If you go through all his other results, surprisingly, man, I actually thought he would be more accurate off the tee. I know he's long. Honestly, I didn't think he would be as long as it shows here anyways. It's kind of interesting. So, yeah, Adam Scott shows he's he's actually pretty less accurate. Um, and then if we hop to – let's filter out of Honda and look at his Arnold Palmer Invitational results – not great. And that might be why driving distance isn't a concern. He's going to beat the field and driving distance, but accuracy, even on this golf course, besides the third place where you can see he gained 10% on the field. Um, this one, he gained 8% and missed the cut. His irons were bad, um, but there's really been no great consistencies among Adam Scott at this event. Let's find somebody that actually shows some, strong driving accuracy with greener regulation. So Ron hasn't played this event. Um, Svensson, I doubt he played this event. He might've played it last year. I haven't looked. Um, <laughs> I guess we, we could look at Martin Laird. He's showing similar signs to um, his, a lot of his older results. So let's look at a couple things. Homa doesn't look too bad. 
Sungjae doesn't look too bad. So look at Homa, Sungjae, and um, and Laird. And if you've been, it really kind of helps to follow the, <clears throat> excuse me, it follows the showdown data. The um, being able to track some of these guys round around, they kind of stick in your head. So like from the waste management, uh, Max Homa was at the top of a lot of the list that we were providing. And then when we went to the Genesis, it was a lot of the same. And that was the reason why I played him for a week long. And he was right at that, what, 8,200 or 8,100, right around that low 8K range with Bubba Watson. Bubba Watson was the same way. Obviously, it didn't work out. Um, but like the Genesis, all, all of these numbers look really good, and they look good going into that tournament based off of the the waste management. So, yeah, I mean Max Homa there, T twenty four, T ten in his last two starts here at Bay Hill. Coincidentally, maybe you could say he was playing well at the time. I mean, I don't know what. Um, his form was so he just won the Genesis last year. Kind of had the same good stretch. Waste management, Genesis played well, but he won. Um, they had the WGC workday in Florida, so he had one round in Florida, or at least one tournament in Florida. So I guess I guess that's could be part of it. I think the WGC workday is in is concession, right? Yeah. So he had a Florida round. Um, and then the 2020. Same. I mean, the Genesis is just bread and butter, I guess. But yeah, some good finishes. T9, T6, T14, T5, T24, Arnold Palmer. So pretty good. And I would say we look similar now in terms of this form. Um, who was the other one we were talking about? Homa, Sungjae, I think we've, we mentioned. Sungjae is a sore, a sore spot at the moment. Thanks, Sungjae. A bit more erratic. Like, he, he's been <laughs> off the tee. Amazing, man. I don't know how. I, I wish they could throw in. His green regulation rate from just that event. I'm curious, like. Like what happened? If you're hitting that many fairways and you're gaining distance, not that distance really mattered last week, but it to me, in my mind, if I see you're gaining on act, like your accuracy looks good, my first question is, okay, well, was he just dinking it off the tee to keep it in play? But if you're gaining distance and you're not, um, let's see, add remove stats. I want to look at. Um, there's green regulation, and I want to look at – I don't care about distance. Accuracy. There you go. So still not bad. 85% driving accuracy, 67% green regulation rate. But, man, he must have blew up on – and, again, I didn't follow the scorecard, so I have no idea. But minus 2.58, I would imagine he hit in the water on one of the water holes, which had, like, 15 of them. Um, better the next day. So yeah, I mean, Sungjae, again, that, that's where Spectrum really helps a lot because people will jump into any of the data 
and see, oh, well, you know, he's losing. In his last event, he lost strokes on approach. Well, that may, may be true, maybe not. I mean, it may be true based on the strokes gain data, but in terms of how he actually played, he actually probably gained half a stroke or a quarter of a shot on approach. Um, and that's where Spectrum really helps cleanse the data. Um, let's go back to Sungjae so that we can make sure the Arnold Palmer narrative doesn't get overlooked. Yeah, I think. And again, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't looked at anybody yet. Um, so Sungjae in his last three starts here, 2019, um, he finished T3, 2020 finished third and 2021, a disappointing 21st. I think for the same reasons you would have played him last week, you play him again this week. And everything you can see in extended approach, you could also see in super procs. So you can go down to, um, might have to unfilter. Nope, there he is. So Sung JM across the board. Again, the overall rank is good. The weighted procs is good. We can look at his spectrum data off the tee is fine. His spectrum approach is still fine. Um, Around the green is fine. Putting's fine. So Sungjae, super expensive. So that's that's another tough point. You're going to have to kind of throw price out the window a little bit. I think the primary concern for people that are building for single entry would be going a balanced approach. But to be fair, a lot of the names that I'm seeing in the 7K range, I don't consider making a balanced approach work out. Like you're still kind of losing. Like Gary Woodland, let's go take a peek at Gary Woodland because – I know his driving accuracy looks poor here, but he's been playing better. And I want to say he's had a few good finishes. But like, for example, let's just say off of last week, his data looks so, so good. It's still very risky and you're paying $7,800. It's not like you're really punting out $7,200 to get him. So yeah, nothing good. I mean, he's got what, four, four out of six made cuts. He hasn't played here in a while. So this, could be interesting. Um, the last guy I want to mention this in that one range we were talking about. Yeah, exactly. Um, Josh. And I think, I think that's really important where a guy like Sung Jay coming off a miscut and again, the pricing sucks, but it sucks for everybody. So you, you kind of got to use that to your advantage in a certain sense where, like I said, Scotty Scheffler at 10, six who in their right mind would think that, you know, why don't I why don't I just play John Rahm for a little bit more? Again, John Rahm hasn't played here, so I'm not just blindly throwing out his name. But like Sungjae at 9900, I, th I think he's going to get overlooked a little bit. And just like looking through round by round, where this data kind of helps you navigate round by round without actually clicking it round by round, that's a big deal. Um, where was I going? Yeah, back here. So like for Sungjae, we go. There he is. So Sungjae through 5T. And if we look at Sungjae for 10T, a lot of the same. So this is 25 rounds of data for Sungjae through the fall swing. So like weighted proxy is a little bit down in some of these like tight buckets. I'm not too concerned with that. It's more of like a consistency game. But I think in the 5T, yeah, I mean, just he's just not hitting at that close. 
still gaining on 50.5, 50%. Um, yeah, I think Sungjae's a, a good option this week, especially after last week. He burned everybody, me included. All right. Let's see if anybody stands out from a pricing standpoint. Let me unfilter. Do it this way. All right. Um, McElroy is surprising a little bit at 11-1. So just talking through the 10K. So at this point, um, I pretty much just rattled off things that I'm looking for in players and then kind of highlighted guys that stand out in certain categories like green regulation and driving accuracy. Like I said, driving distance, it, it doesn't, it doesn't not matter, but I don't think it's really worth weighing in terms of player-to-player -player comparisons. I, I don't think there's going to be much you can glean from that. Uh, an example there would be like Mark Leishman. Mark Leishman's played really well here over the years, and he's not a long guy off the tee. Um, he's very long with his iron, which is ironic, but he just pegs the shit out of it in the ground and turns his 8-iron into a 7-iron. But um, besides the point... <laughs> Generally speaking, Leishman is, he's not even that accurate, to be honest, but he doesn't have to hit a lot of drivers. Um, I mean, I remember seeing him on 18 at Bay Hill. I think it was the year he won, if I'm not mistaken, because I, I, I want to say he finished early. I could be wrong. I could have it mixed up on another year. He just played well. And um, like the year after, he had three wood on 18 to get it in play, and he hit it on 16 tee box, which is literally, it's got to be like 40 yards right with a three wood, like just to keep it in play. And he couldn't hit it on the fairway 40 yards. Right. Um, don't know where I was going with that, but he's not even that accurate off the tee, which is surprising. But again, the distance off the tee doesn't matter on the golf course. I still think it doesn't hurt to use it. If you want to like kind of weigh out guys um, that are just super short, it's probably a nice carryover on distance with irons. Um, that's, that's all I'll say on that. Like, you know, if someone's long off the tee, generally speaking, they're going to be a, a little bit longer, half a club or more with their irons. And that would make a difference. I mean, if it's 200 yards and you have to hit a five iron and Macro has to hit a seven iron, that's a big advantage on these firm greens, especially come Saturday and Sunday. So I don't think it's like as, as black and white as, you know, driving distance equates to better opportunities on this golf course because it doesn't. Um, but I do think the player with more driving distance generally will have better distance with his other clubs. Um, maybe that means he's laying back with less than what someone else is. Um, and then also he's hitting less club into some of the greens, which never hurts. So John Rom stands out, obviously be curious to see where his ownership comes in. He's just very expensive and it's a super strong field. I mean, he's done well in strong fields before, but this is kind of in a price range where ownership does matter. Um, because there's a lot of win equity with these guys through the 9K, even with this 10K being pretty strong. Victor Hovland, I kind of mentioned on um, some of our discussion earlier. I think Victor Hovland's a great fit for this golf course. Scotty Scheffler, we just talked about. Hideki Matsuyama grades out extremely well in all of our procs buckets. And in our super procs, if I go pull that up really quick, Hideki is... 
63rd percentile for overall rank, which is really good. Um, averaging 32 feet if you weighed out all of his approach shots on this golf course. And his sample size is 61%. So plenty of sample for us to kind of take some data off that. And that's his reel right here. You can kind of see. He'll will, he will have the most spread out approaches. So you can see like Scheffler right above him. 16%, 16%, 15%, 25%. Matsuyama is a little bit more. He has nothing from 100 to 125. 20%, 20%, 20%, 24%. So um, a bit more balanced in terms of his number of shots he's going to have from 125 to 225 versus Scheffler, who should have an extra wedge per round. And honestly, one less, one less 175 to 200, one less 150 to 175. So, uh, all right, back to our EAP sheet. So out of the 10K range, we'll, we'll kind of hold on for some more information on ROM. Again, the pricing is really difficult at 11.4 in this field. And I, I don't, I don't know if McElroy is playing well enough. Let's see what his prox numbers look like. And we'll go pull him up on data golf too, because I, I really felt like McElroy was playing better at the start of the year. Maybe it was just the tournament champions stuff was starting to click for him. So it's pretty average. Um, 56 percentile. So just above average for his overall rank, 33 feet, small sample size. So there's, there's a hindrance on the number of rounds he's played. We have four rounds. So if we go pull, data golf up for Rory. Let's just take a peek. Before we do that, we forgot to look at Laird's course history. So we won in 2011, made cut T36, T34. I mean, that, that's a missed cut, but I guess it was a made cut, big number. T43, T43. So a lot of made cuts. The stats don't look terrible. GPP. <laughs> Should be cheap enough. So McElroy, coming off the European tour. Um, yeah, truthfully, I think it's all sample size. I'm really curious. Um, we have the four rounds from the Genesis, but based on our on our data, he was not that good. Um, a I mean, just above field average for off the tee approach was okay. Um, the sample size on super procs is really small. So let's, let's not use that for him. I'm curious on 10 T really quick. So that's where having both sides kind of helps still sample size is small. Yeah. Eight rounds. So I think that includes CJ cup. Not awful. I mean, it's still it's still pretty good. So again, you gotta kind of gotta use it together. So then EAP data for Rory. If we go across the board, it's about average. You can see he's really not excelling in anything. He's just below the field in 12 feet. He's three percent below the field in six feet. Um 
a lot of positive approaches, so that's a really good sign. Not a lot. He's gaining over a quarter of a shot. It's not necessarily a bad sign. It's not a good sign, but it's information. Um, again, driving accuracies. Let's you know on data golf. Was it say? You know, losing on driving accuracy. But he's played well here in the past, so I think you would probably have to give a lean more to the course history than just – and, again, the sample size is so small, so disregard kind of what I said. But it's T4 win, T6, T5, T10. I think I think McElroy likes this golf course. He doesn't have to hit driver, so he can keep it in play. Um, it's really funny because I, I do like the relative data to the field. But I'm, you know, what does 27.8 yards over the field average mean? Like, is that like 290, 280? I know what the data golf, like what this says, it's 281. So it's 23. Like he's really hitting it 303 yards, 304 yards, whatever. Curious about that. All right. So. Let's jump into the 9K range. So, like I said, I think Sungjae is really interesting. Data probably shouldn't look good for him across most sites off the tee. But if people are using approach, that's that's a huge benefit to us because people are going to see that that number weigh him down from last week at the Honda, which we don't weigh it poorly. He still gets a bump down based on hitting a bad shot, but he doesn't get a bump down based on the number of shots he lost on a single shot, if that makes sense. Um it's just, I mean, again, there's an example on the website. There's two examples. You can go read it. Essentially, you know, someone hits, plays 17 holes flawlessly and hits a drive out of bounds on 18 and he loses three shots because he hit it out of bounds. Are you going to believe the 17 holes or the 18th hole that caused him to show negative off the tee all day? The tournament shows negative, which is true and accurate, but. For DFS purposes, I'm much more concerned with his 17 holes that he drove the ball off, you know, 13 holes, I guess, versus the one hole, which in Sungjae's case was a, you know, a par four he probably hit in the water or the par three in the water with his iron. So um, I think Zalatoris looks good in the 9K range, really. It's just Sungjae, Zalatoris fits. We'll see about his sickness. He's played well here over the years. Leishman I like a lot. And then Adam Scott might be a fade. Adam Scott might be the fade. We kind of just looked at him over the years on this golf course. Um, driving accuracy is kind of his MO, it seems like. And again, the data shows his driving accuracy is low, but it, it's kind of cool to see how it impacts an actual golfer on a golf course and or for an event. So like Arnold Palmer, he has a third place finish. In one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven years, last seven years. All right, let's just throw this out. I mean, <laughs> so 2014, so the last eight years, he has a third place in the last eight years. He's only played it five times. He's made the cut four out of five times, but it's a T41, a T35, a made a miscut, and a T12. So nothing, nothing really exciting. Um, and then Leishman. Leishman was the other guy I wanted to bring up. Maybe in like the same sense that like Terrell Hatton and we know about Roy McIlroy at Bay Hill. 
this might just be a track that Leachman really likes. So, <clears throat> yeah, I think it must have been 2018. I'm pretty sure it's 2018. He, he finished T7 there. And that's why I watched him blow it way right on 18 with a three wood. Probably made par. Um, yeah, so 2017, he won T7 in 2018, T23 in 2019, a second in 2020, and then a miscut last year. And you can see, I mean, minus 2.15. That's, again, that that screams to me that he hit in the water on 18 or some other shot somewhere that he really botched a hole. Like, to lose two shots over the course of two days, I just don't see you losing, you know, a quarter of a shot on every hole with your irons. It's, that's very, that's like 10 handicap stuff. If not worse, it's probably 15 handicap stuff. So Leishman, I like quite a bit playing really well. He should be popular. So don't be surprised if you have to think, you know, thoroughly on his ownership, but uh, Leishman at 9,100 is probably the, my favorite value right off the bat on his recent form on all of our data that we, that we have and provide. And then obviously with his course history on top of it. So Leishman, 9,100, I like quite a bit. I would easily play Leishman over Adam Scott. Um, that that seems like a pretty easy, especially if the ownership is Adam Scott, that would be lovely. Uh, AK range. So we got a couple guys here. I'll just list them off in kind of the the order that they show up. So Billy Horschel, Max Homa, um, Paul Casey. We have... Cameron Tringali, which is a very interesting play this week. Russell Henley, and then Keith Mitchell. Max Homo, we talked about right at the beginning of the show. I think he loves this golf course as well. Um, has had good success here. Has been playing really well of late. Everything screams. This is a this is an interesting stat we added here. This is total positive holes. So this is the percentage. Excuse me. This is the percentage of holes that the player has gained in every single asset of strokes gained. So the individual aspects, so even if they, you know, hit it on the green, we don't obviously won't count around the green in that aspect. Um, Par fours, par threes, par fives, whatever. We counted off the tee shot on the par fours and par fives. We count an approach shot on all holes, essentially, unless it's, you know, they drove it up next to the green around the green Um, and then putting and then around the green if necessary. And this is showing on 18% of the holes he plays per round, he is gaining on every single category um, on that many holes, which is really high. I mean, you can kind of see Rom. We think of Rom as being very consistent. He's at 14%. Um, yeah, Max Homa's playing very good golf. That's That was a stat we added last week because I think for the Honda Classic, it was almost more beneficial to see someone – gain a little bit in every aspect from T through green to make the putt versus, you know, just driving accuracy or just green regulation or just scrambling. Um, we needed to add the putting aspect in there that, and just, it seemed like putting was actually a much bigger variable than that we anticipated. You think about the Honda classic and you think about where's the trouble. Okay. It's, you know, hitting in the water. Well, how do you avoid that? You hit more greens and regulation. Okay. Check. How do you hit more greens and regulation? You hit more fairways. Okay, check. We need to work on guys. We need to target guys that are going to hit a lot of greens. Um, and even before that, we want to target guys that hit a lot of fairways because that'll give them more chances to hit the green or, or less chances of missing the green, whichever way you want to look at it. But it really came down to they're all going to be missing some greens. Scrambling and putting 
was a big factor. And and honestly, when you look at the scoring of being minus 10 under par, that's that's what we probably should be looking for more so than just ball strikers in that sense. Um, and that's that's basically what this stat was brought up for brought up for last year or last week. So that is the AK range, the 7K range, just to speed it up just a bit. Um, Justin Rose shows up, which we can go dive into because he's an actual, I don't know if he's necessarily an Orlando native any, any longer. I think he has a home he built in the Bahamas, which is, which is ironic. Cause like, I mean, it's cool that you're on an Island, but there's a lot of stuff in Orlando and Florida that you can like, just like go do. And like the Bahamas, I feel like you're just kind of, you're just, you're stuck on a golf course and then go to the beach or on a boat and that's it. Um, but maybe that's what he likes. So <laughs> who am I to judge? I'm sitting in a, in a, uh, in an office talking to online people, uh, Justin Rose, uh, let's see, Luke list, Cameron Young, nice 65 Sunday, uh, last week, uh, Tom Hoagie, Siwoo Kim, Substraka off the win. I'm curious what he does in terms of ownership. Um, Kevin Knott technically is above average in terms of the ranking, but there, I, I really, this is probably like one of those spots. Like you don't expect Kevin Na to play well. And then he, he gains like seven strokes putting or something. Nothing. Ugh. I mean, he's got a couple top tens. I think you just cut Kevin Na. And then you don't have a headache about it all week. Um, Chris Kirk is really interesting. Chris Kirk, if you think about like last week, the reason why you played him last week was, okay, he's going to be pretty accurate with green regulation, with driving accuracy. And he played really well. Obviously the course history for him was really good. So I'm curious if his course history on this golf course is similar. In terms of just like success. Uh, so there's your Honda Classic. Playing better. Like, I think for me, these approach numbers cause me concern in terms of, like, if he's not hitting his irons as well as the field in these type of fields, like American Express and AT&T, um, I'm not worried about the field average in terms of the Honda, but, like, he still lost .06. Like, gaining around the green, gaining putting. So it's kind of it's kind of fluky in a certain sense, to me at least. Um, but to the same point that we talked about for driving accuracy on this golf course, 2018, 2019, 2021, Chris Kirk has a 13th place, a 15th place and 8th place. I would be surprised if there's many people that have a better three year run in this event than that. Maybe Terrell Hatton, maybe Homa. I think we looked at Homa at the beginning. Uh, let's see what Hatton did. Oh, down here. Yeah, I mean, even Hatton didn't do that. So T29, win T21. <laughs> Go Chris Kirk week. And Chris Kirk's really cheap. So 7,500. Oh, man, I would be very quick to, to plug him in. I mean, honestly, like I, I mentioned, his approach numbers don't look great, but he's still he's still beating the field in a lot of aspects. If we go to the Super Prox data, we scroll down and look at Chris Kirk. 
Let's go to the five T because I'm really more concerned with his form this beginning of the year. Yeah, and you can see, I mean, he's a shorter hitter, so he's going to have more shots from this 200 to 225. So he's at 27% versus 23, 25% for most of the field. But, I mean, he's still, I mean, 35% or 35 feet weighted procs isn't very good. But he's 7,500. I probably, I probably throw Chris Kirk in there. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against throwing in let me pull up um one second we just turned this first look into a final look in terms of building a lineup i'm gonna throw in chris kirk and cameron young together cameron young's really interesting because we know him for being long off the tee but he's actually very very accurate we looked at that last week i was very surprised to see cameron young as accurate as he is so for this let's throw in chris kirk uh, block him in Cameron Young block him in again they don't have any projected ownership as of now uh, that leaves us 87.50 so I mentioned Mark Leishman throw him in there Ma mentioned Max Homa let's throw him in there wrap if you're watching this is your cash lineup right here buddy um, 8600 I probably don't want to land in this range could go to Paul Casey, I guess. Um, we kind of skipped over him because of sample size, but I, I really want to throw in Scheffler and at least 6,600. We haven't gotten to the 6K range, so let's go find a 6K guy. And then we'll wrap up the show. Uh, we are at, we have to be over an hour at this point. Yep, hour and one minute. We're not too bad right now. This is not bad. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate it. Um, all right, let's talk about the 6K range. And again, this is just the first look. My article will highlight my my favorite plays in all the ranges in a little bit more of a deeper dive on the golf course. And then Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, we'll do our final look with it, with me and everybody else in the in the Fantasy Golf Bag Discord. We'll be in the chat and we'll talk through um, some GPP strategy. We'll talk about weather, if there's any um, contest selection, stuff like that. And then obviously the, you know, Q&A, 1v1s, 2v2s, 6v6s, whatever we got to do. Um, all right, so 6K range. Let's just see. Just That's because there's there's always so many guys in the, in the 6K range. Let's just do like the top 30% overall. And then I just want to look at the 6K range. So we still had a decent number. Sean O'Hare shows up, which is funny but we're, we're going to be playing some sean over here this week i'm just going to already say it um svenson lee hodges i don't mind lee hodges this week and he's right at the number 6600 Patton kazire taylor pendrith jj spawn danny willett another interesting one uh on this type of golf course and then hudson swafford at 6300 uh for super procs just just cross-reference it and see if anyone stands out besides um Sean O'Hare. Let's do top 40%. Let's just hope we get some sixes. We got a few. Um, Lee Hodges shows up again. Ches Reavy shows up here. That's interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, Chez Revy on this golf course. That might not be bad. Let's go look at Lee Hodges. Um, let's look at Revy really quick, just because that kind of popped out a lot and it was unexpected a bit. Um, so T10 at the Genesis. Course history here, not great. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't really feel excited to play him here. Driving driving accuracy is great for him, but he, it's probably the longer irons, I'm guessing. There's a problem. I probably will have some exposure, to be honest. He's cheap enough, and he always has upside for a top 10, it seems. I mean, he just, I mean, the Genesis is no, you know, slouch field, and he finished T10. And then for the last guy, we were talking about Lee Hodges. This might be the last guy in this lineup. Let's see. So a mixed bag this this season in terms of some miscuts, some bad showings, et cetera. A T9 last week, again, a weak field. T39 Genesis is probably more of a, a, a comparable field, I would say. And has not played here. I'd be, I'd be kind of hesitant to play him on his first showing here. I'm not really sure I could go to anyone else in this range, though. Um, let's go back to super prox. Yeah, I mean, Kazire. Kazire's not bad. We talked about him a couple weeks ago. I like the course history angle a bit here, cutting out people. So, like, yeah, because I am not a fan of this golf course, so that would be an easy out. There's, It's just too strong of a field. I got to see something from you. Outside of Matt Every, you don't really see um, fluky wins. And back-to-back, -back, I mean, I still consider that fluky. Doug Gim, did Doug Gim play well here last year? I want to say he did. Didn't we talk about it like he shot seven under on Saturday? Yeah, T36, so not bad. I'd probably play Doug Yim. So round one, minus one. Round two, plus one. Round three, minus seven. Shot minus seven. He did gain three strokes putting, but you kind of got to do that to, to shoot seven under. That's a serious seven under, though. Only 56. He had 10 of 18 greens to shoot seven under. Now that. That is around. That is mind-boggling. So 13 of 18, 11 of 18, 10 of 18, and he shot 7 under, 50%, and he shot plus 9. I mean, seriously, 55 to 50%, and he shot plus 9. Crazy. Yeah, I, I think I think he's okay. Gives it 6,500, right? So that leaves me... 6300. I mean, at that point, you could just, you could play macro, I guess. Oh, you can't play macro. You're still off. I guess, I guess you just, uh, hmm. I guess you just do Hodges. 
We just trust the data. Play Scheffler. Play Hodges. I mean, I guess this is where the balanced approach comes in, though, right? So, like, Scheffler's 10-6. Hodges is a 6.6. If you're like, man, you know, Scheffler, you're paying a lot for him and you're getting Lee Hodges. Could I pay less and get someone better than Lee Hodges, but someone still close to Scotty Scheffler? Probably yes. Um, I mean, we talked about Sungjae, but you're really not saving a lot. Hideki, I mean, every little bit helps, to be honest. Like, Sungjae at 9.9 definitely doesn't grade out as well as Scotty Scheffler, but like we saw in the in his results from last week, the approach numbers are going to be a little bit flawed in what most people see this week. So then you have 7.3, and if we hop back to 7.3, you're still kind of in a messy spot. So yeah, that's, the low sevens is it's kind of like a hmm. Well, I'm glad we didn't settle on somebody for the sixth spot because this remains a first look podcast. But that's kind of the idea. You kind of want to spend up for someone, but then you start looking at the trade-off between, okay, if I if I drop down, let's just say Zalatoris. I mean, Zalatoris is fine. He's going to be pretty consistent every week. He tees it up from a ball-striking aspect. And then 7.8, there's Gary Woodland, Maverick McNeely. Um, I mean, you could take your pick on those two. Maverick McNeely didn't pop in our data, but I know he's been playing well. We can We can definitely go look. So his last couple of finishes, T27, T30, T33, T7. Uh, nothing great here. And then, who's that? Um, so Woodland we looked at. I don't know if he really played well here. Bez is right there. Bez, Zadenhut might be the guy. Not bad, not bad. We'll throw in Bez Zadenhut. Justin Rose is right there. I mean, man, you got, yeah, the high sevens are fine. It's just that sixes and the low sevens are kind of like a, a tougher spot for you to, to feel comfortable to round out a six spot. I'm just going to look at Rose and then we'll end the show there. Oh, that's Rosen Mueller with the F. <laughs> Maybe people see that. And then they don't play him. Yeah, I remember. Actually, I remember this at Bay Hill last year. So he was like minus one through three, I want to say. And he WD'd. Maybe he double bogeyed a hole and then was plus one through three, something like that. But um, he was very popular and he had some back issues. So I think I think Rose, we've seen some good form from him so far. This isn't a golf course you have to bomb it. So Justin Rose in there. There's your lineup. Kirk, Young, Leishman, Homa, Zalatoris, Justin Rose. Everybody enter that in the $20 and win all the money. And then DK bans me for sharing lineups, but doesn't ban the actual people sharing lineups. Makes sense. All right. That'll do it, guys. Um, we're just over an hour. First look podcast for Fantasy Golf Bag. I appreciate you all tuning in. Um, apologies for people listening on audio because this is probably going to sound like a, a, just a hot jumbled mess in terms of like talking about the data, jumping to data golf back and forth, um, not listing it on any particular structure. So I apologize if you made it through in the audio version. Congrats to you. Um, DM me and I will send you some like fancy golf ball 
same fantasy golf bag golf balls or something um kudos if you can make it through the audio only but uh hopefully you guys got some benefit out of this enjoy the data hopefully you do like it you can use the the promo code bag 22 at fantasy golf bag to get 50 percent off your first month or first week and you get access to the eap spectrum and then the showdown eap which is published each day as well um so we'll be back i'll talk about yeah josh you're welcome We'll be talking to you guys in the Discord. We'll have our sheet up and all the other stuff up tomorrow morning, um, tomorrow late morning, we should say. And then um, Wednesday night live stream, get our final look in for the Arnold Palmer. I'm excited. This is a good stretch of events here. The Players Championship has two Millie makers. And then uh, the Masters is, what, four and a half weeks away, five weeks away now. So it's getting good, guys, getting good. So appreciate everybody tuning in and um, have a safe Monday night, and we'll see you tomorrow on Wednesday. See ya.